You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Broncos country. Let's ride with Touchdown Denver. Touchdown Denver. Hosted by Nick Ferguson and George Stoya. Touchdown Denver. All right, everybody. Welcome into another episode of Touchdown Denver. Hosted by myself, George Stoya, the Denver Gazette, and my good friend, Nick Ferguson. Nick, how are you doing on this beautiful Thursday morning? I am doing spectacular, George. No, no technical issues this morning. You know what? No. Uh, I had my fingers crossed that uh, we were not going to have any technical issues before I actually logged on. Uh, something happened. I was like, no, not again. And then I went through the system again, and luckily, no issues. So I am feeling awesome, George. Well, I'm, I'm glad you're feeling awesome because we have a lot to talk about, Nick. It feels like every day uh, with this coaching search, obviously, new information comes out. It seems like there's been a lot of conflicting information to come out the last few days, uh, especially just this week on second interviews, not second interviews, who's a finalist, who's not a finalist. Uh, Sean Payton on Monday, everybody's like, he's going to be the guy. Now it turns out, Nick, it sounds like he may not even interview a second time for anybody. Um, and so it's it's been an interesting few days. What's been maybe your biggest takeaway uh, since the last time we spoke? Well, the fact that the Broncos have not offered anyone their head coaching position and Sean Payton being in, being the guy. I mean, let's be totally honest about the situation. We've heard so much speculation, and I don't know if we can just classify George as, as lies. I don't know, or, or just stretching the truth maybe a little far. Because when I look at this situation with Sean Payton, all right, that, how many interviews has he had? Let's be totally honest. I mean, answer that question. How many interviews has he had today? I, I believe he's had four. One with the Texans, one with the Broncos, one with the um, Panthers, and then he's interviewing with the Cardinals, I believe, today. So right, and, and, and in some of those situations, there are teams that are in desperate need of a head coach, but no moves have been made thus far. And when you look at the Broncos situation with Sean Payton, he has interviewed two times already. If, if, we're, if we're really taking count, he interviewed before when they were just talking over Zoom and all of that, and then again in person. So usually when on that second interview, you, you get somewhat of an offer because on January 18th, he was allowed legally by the league to interview for the job in person, and nothing happened. Now, there's something that happened in Dallas that I think plays a major role in what's happening with this Broncos situation. When you look at the fact that the Dallas Cowboys lost to San Francisco 49ers 19-12, we all saw that, but the thing is – they just fired a boatload of their coaches. And it's just like, why? Skip Pete, who I think is one of the better running back coaches in the NFL, and if D'Amico Ryans or Dan Quinn gets this job, I'll hopefully they bring him over. But with the Cowboys eliminating so many of their assistant coaches, you can't help but think 
maybe they are preparing for the firing of Mike McCarthy. And if he is fired, Jerry Jones, you know, he is so knee jerk reaction, right? Can go and say, Sean Payton, hey, he's our guy. We're going to bring him in. And maybe that's one of the things that is slowing down the process with the Broncos hiring uh, Sean Payton. What do you think? Yeah, no, I, I think the Cowboys might be in play. I know that there was a report, I believe it was yesterday, Nick, that was, uh, and I can't remember who reported it. I want to say it was NFL Network, uh, that there was an outside um, suitor that, uh, you know, could come into play. And it was basically hinting at, you know, there's a chance the Cowboys make a make a move for Sean Payton. And I know Jerry Jones, who is a crazy person and goes on the radio every day, uh, and Dallas has said multiple times they're keeping Mike McCarthy and that he's staying. And, and maybe that's true, but I just don't believe Jerry Jones. Right. Uh, and I think if Sean Payton and maybe Sean Payton's agent have reached out to the Cowboys, I, which would not surprise me if they have to see what the interest is. I think that that's not a phone call Jerry Jones would put down. So I think that that's, there's a good chance of that. I also think Nick, there's a good chance Sean Payton looked around. Um, he, he, he gauged the interest of some of these other teams. I think his preference was Denver with the five openings. But I don't think Denver uh, preferred Sean Payton. And so I think there's, there's part of Sean Payton that's saying, well, I'm just going to go back to TV at Fox uh, if the Cowboys don't you know, pick up the phone. I think that's might not might be why, you know, connecting the dots here, Nick. The last couple of days, he probably reached out to the Cowboys or his agent reached out to the Cowboys and said, hey, uh, we're not getting a whole lot of interest here from other teams, but we're interested in you guys. Uh, is there going to be a chance of this happening? So I I don't know. You know, I think that there's a lot still to play out there, but I think right now the odds are, Nick, he's either back at Fox Sports next year. Uh, he's either the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys or he's just, you know, I think it's one of those two. It's, I don't think it, I don't think he's going to end up in Denver. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there's some secret plan that we don't know about, and the Penners have just done a really good job of uh, keeping it close to their chest. But uh, it seems to me, Nick, everything is pointing towards Sean Payton not being in Denver. Okay, with that being said, George, let, let's kind of uh, kick that can down the road. Uh, I mean, we were hearing so many rumors and speculations about how the Broncos were really loving on Sean Payton after – Coach Harbaugh bowed out and decided to go back to Michigan. But what would have, in your mind, what do you think if the Broncos did fall out of love with Sean Payton? Is there one thing that you possibly could put your finger on as to maybe why that actually took place? It's a good question, Nick. I, I, I think, and this is just me speculating. I don't know this for sure. And that's been the interesting thing about all this. I don't think anybody really knows. I, I, some of the most well-connected people um, you know, in the industry seem to have no idea what's going on with the Broncos search. So again, this is just me guessing, but I think they looked at, looked at it, Nick, and I'm sure they liked Sean Payton. I'm sure they said, you know what, Sean's super successful. He's, he's, he's won a Super Bowl. He's done all this. I think they said one, they probably didn't like the way that things were going in terms of um, the money. Right. Oh. And I, again, I know a lot of people are out there like, well, they have deep pockets. They can do whatever they want. That's true. But I don't think they liked how the number just kept going up. Sean Payton was controlling the way that it was going up. Uh, his agent was clearly kind of putting that number out there. I don't think they liked that. Again, this is me guessing. Uh, and then I think they also looked and said, you know what? Do we really want to give up these draft picks? And then, Nick, I think what really may have changed their mind, because if you remember, 
when they interviewed Sean Payton, everybody was like, that's their guy. He's the top target. John Har- you know, or Jim Harbaugh drops out. But before all that, they hadn't interviewed D'Amico Ryans yet. And I know we're going to get to D'Amico Ryans. But I think when they went and interviewed D'Amico Ryans, my feeling is they were blown out of the water. They were like, this guy's impressive. Uh, he's a young guy. He fits what we're trying to do. Uh, and guess what? He's not going to cost as much. He's not going to cost any draft capital. Like, I think that that's what happened is they said, okay, we like Sean a lot, but let's continue to wait and look at our options. And they go and they interview D'Amico Ryans. And they're like, well, why wouldn't we try and hire this guy? Uh, and again, I think that that is now the signal why we haven't seen any second round interviews is because they're waiting to talk to D'Amico Ryans again. And I think it's going to come down to, does D'Amico want to coach for the Broncos or does he want to coach for the Texans? Uh, obviously, he played with Houston. I believe his wife is from Houston. So I think that might be an uphill battle for the Broncos. But I, I do think that that's maybe what happened is they said, well, wait a second. We can go get this young stud of a, of a head coach uh, and not have to pay Sean Payton. And I, again, I, again, I think they like Sean, but I just think that all the extra stuff that came with Sean is not something that the Walton Pinner group wanted to deal with. And again, that's me speculating. Well, well, why not speculate? Everyone else has been speculating, right? Uh, but, George, I think you're really on to, to something, and that's what I've always felt because I, this ownership group feels as though just because they came out of corporate America, they, they were more like streamlined. Once they have uh, made a decision, they're going full board uh, forward. And I still go back to the idea that Harbaugh was the initial guy that they wanted. That, that was the guy that they wanted. Once he bowed out, now all the tension went towards Sean Payton. But something happened in the interview that made some of all of that ownership group go, you know what? Uh, I know this guy is coaching the league a long time, but I'm not sure that he is our guy. And you mentioned Sean Payton's agent. When it comes to speculating, there were a lot of things that were being said. And, well, I don't know this for true, for it to be certain, but there is speculation, word of the day, is that, uh, I mean, when you look at Sean Payton's camp, that they were kind of leaking information out on purpose. And then he works on Fox. Colin Cowherd has a great audience. And they kept saying so many things about what the Broncos situation was going to be. So it was kind of like media manipulation when it comes to the Jedi mind trick of the Broncos fan base, right? And that's one of the ways that when you have good friends in the media, they can actually help you out. And for me, that is how I view the situation because with all that information constantly coming out about Sean Payton and what was going to happen, he never inked the deal, right? You, you never inked the deal. It's sort of like free agency. You get a guy into the building. You know you want that guy, right? But guess what? He leaves without a contract. So if you spoke to the team twice and you don't have a contract, there was something glaringly wrong about Sean Payton and how he didn't fit with the ownership and vision for this team for the next couple of years. And that that's why Sean Payton is not the coach right now. Now, so many things can happen between now and tomorrow, but right now I, I, I just don't see how that's a perfect fit. Well, and I think it, it, it's interesting that cause you, you mentioned the cowherd stuff. And I think that that's really interesting because I mean, it's very clear where the info's coming from, right? When when right. Calvert is getting it, it's very clearly coming from Sean Payton's camp. And that's what's so interesting about this. And again, I don't know if this has anything to do with it, but 
these two sides have operated totally different, right? Ever since Sean Payton's come into the mix, his agents putting stuff out. They're putting out what kind of numbers they want. The Saints are, you know, leaking info about, well, this is the draft picks we want and all this stuff. All this stuff's coming out in the media. But everything you've seen from the Broncos since the Walton Pinner group has started his searches, they've, they've not leaked anything. They're not putting almost anything out there. I mean, again, we mentioned it last time, Nick. They they used to, you know, last year during the uh, the search, they, they'd even tweet out, we completed this interview, we did that interview, this interview went great, you know, all this stuff. They're not doing any of that stuff. And so uh, kind of the juxtaposition of well, Sean Payton's leaking all this stuff and uh, the Broncos aren't, I, I think that, again, kind of speaks to, I'm not sure, so, so sure that, Everyone saw eye to eye with Sean Payton in the building uh, and the way that he was operating this stuff. Again, I could be totally wrong. Maybe they end up hiring Sean Payton. Uh, but I, I just I think it's trending in a direction that it just wasn't the right fit, maybe. Um, and I think that they really like D'Amico Ryans. I, I really do think maybe they didn't they don't end up hiring him. But I think he's definitely one of the, their top guys uh, that's left. Nick, is there anybody else that you could see? Uh, being in this conversation, I know there's some talks about maybe Dan Quinn. Um, you know, he's maybe still in the mix. Uh, there's all these rumors out there that they think Jim Harbaugh's still in the mix. I don't buy that. Um, but is there anybody else that you think that that is still in this? Well, I mean, right now, it's it, for me, it comes down to D'Amico and Dan Quinn. It's interesting that you, you brought up Harbaugh's name. And I'm sure if they can go back uh, to Harbaugh and try to convince him, which I don't think you should have to convince a person either you want the job or you don't. And if they still are going after Harbaugh, to me, it's just like, don't do that. That that ship has sailed already. And just really think about what that was from the very beginning. It, it was Harbaugh's way of trying to get Michigan to give him more money. He didn't want to relieve Michigan. He played there, right? I mean, he's gotten the team to the college football uh, playoffs and you have more control in college now that he will have an, an NFL, and I know you got the NILs or whatever, but there's been certain coaches like Harbaugh who's been able to navigate the, the landscape of college football. So why leave? I mean, I'm sure his wife uh, loves it, and they, they probably have that conversation. Listen, I don't want to continue to move that many times, right? If this school, that we could push them to give us $20 million a year, equivalent to what we receive in the NFL, why not stay here? I love it here. So right now, it's just Quinn. Was D'Amico? You you brought up D'Amico in Houston. Yeah, I know his wife is from Houston, but when you compare the two organizations, who was in the better position? Right? You look at their ownership. You look at their GM. Right? I would dare to say that the Broncos are better organization from a front office standpoint with the new ownership than the Houston Texans are. So why go to Houston? They they fired their coaches. Uh, you know, David Culley had one year. Lovey Smith had one year. Yeah, you're going to be going back as a former first-round draft pick, but do you want that headache? Yeah, you're at home, but you don't want to be at home, right? You want to leave, right? You want to go somewhere else. So if the Broncos are going to make a decision, if D'Amico is going to make a decision, he's got to choose between Denver and Houston. Hopefully it's Denver and not Houston Texans. We'll see, Nick. Um, I would just like to point out, I'll take a victory lap. I said when the search started, D'Amico Ryans was my dark horse for the job. He was the guy that I've wanted. Uh, I, he's the guy that I said, I think he should get the job from day one. Uh, and look where we are, Nick. I think he's the top candidate. Uh, George, George is right again. Uh, how, how fitting 
that you 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 decide to take this victory lap. Just just go ahead and take the victory lap. Yeah. Yeah, now now I'm definitely going to be wrong, and they're going to hire like Jim Caldwell next week or something. Uh, but uh, let's take a quick break, Nick. We'll dive into some of the uh, other Broncos assistants that are interviewing for for some jobs. Then we'll get into some NFC championship, NFC and AFC championship games, and maybe a little bit more D'Amico Ryan's talk as we close out the show. But first, let's take a quick break. Let's ride with Touchdown Denver. Touchdown Denver. Hosted by Nick Ferguson and George Stoya. All right, everybody, we're back from that quick break. Uh, and, Nick, there's been a lot of uh, assist- assistance from this previous staff that I guess they're technically still mostly under contract other than Jerry Rosberg uh, since yesterday. Uh, but... Uh, there's been quite a few guys interviewing for other jobs. Obviously, Evero uh, is the top name. I mean, he interviewed for every single opening. I believe he had second interviews with the Colts and the Texans, uh, which means he's a finalist for those two head coaching vacancies. You have Clint Kubiak, obviously the quarterback's coach. He interviewed, I believe, with the Buccaneers for their offensive coordinator job. I think he also interviewed for the Jets. Is that correct? I think that's correct. Um, I, and maybe one other place. I can't remember. Nathaniel Hackett obviously has interviewed for the Jets offensive coordinator position. It sounds like he might also be in play to go back to Green Bay. Uh, Justin Alton's interviewed a handful of places, I believe Baltimore, uh, the Jets, and somewhere else. I can't remember. The other, uh, there, there's a whole lot, Nick, but what have you made of, of a lot of these assistants um, kind of, you know, looking, I mean, not looking around, but being asked to, to interview other places? Well, the interesting thing about that, when you look at the Broncos' overall record from an offensive standpoint, you didn't, you wouldn't really think that any of these coaches would get uh, a look other than Azure Evero. But I think it's great for them. It really shows as though people are still looking, even though no one has made a move yet. But a lot of this makes a lot of sense. Let's look at the situation, say, uh, Clint Kubiak, uh, being interviewed as uh, OC for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, right? The Broncos season wasn't that great, and it was kind of a topsy-turvy type of situation. Who's calling plays? Who's not calling plays? We're going to switch it one week. We're going to go from Clint. We're going to go back to Alton, and it's going to be hacking at the same time. What's great about this is Clint has had success in the NFL. Going back to the 2021 season, look at the record that or the stats there there is of that. Um, uh, I ah, I'm drawing a blank on his name. Uh, Kirk Cousins, yes. Kirk Cousins put up, right? All of that had to do with Clint Kubiak because that was Clint's first year as an OC taking over for his dad after being in Minnesota, being the quarterback's coach. So that shows as though, I mean, he has done some great things, especially if he's allowed to do it and he has weapons. Now, do I think that the Buccaneers are a great fit for him and maybe running the outside zone game? Maybe, but they would have to change some things with their offensive line, but I'm glad he's he got a look. The one that was really interesting was um, the, the interview with Justin Allen in Baltimore. I, I told, I said this before when we first initially heard about it, that was kind of a Jerry Rosberg type of thing. Hey, you know, hey, Coach Harbaugh, I need you to do me a favor, man. We got this offensive coordinator in Denver, and I didn't think he was getting a fair shake. Uh, why don't you just go ahead and do me a solid and give him, give him, give him an interview? Yeah, you know, 
So what? Does it make a difference how you get the interview? Just the fact that you got the interview and that puts you on the radar for so many other teams to say, well, if the Ravens were looking at Justin Allen in that way, maybe we should. And then you look at the Jets in their situation, the type of offense they want to run, the whole idea that, hey, they're going to make a run or they could make a run for Aaron Rodgers. So if you're going to do that, yeah, you're going to interview a Justin Allen. You're going to interview a Nathaniel Hackett if you want to go in the direction. Now, the one that was really interesting was Jerry Rosper. His con- his contract, you know, I guess was set to ex- expire, but the Broncos had just kind of go ahead and say, well, we're just going to 86 that anyway. But he was a guy that, you know, the fans started to love. In the two games, he was one and one. And everyone was like, hey, man, it's such a big change because of Jerry Rosper. The Broncos should keep him there. But maybe there was something like a Sean Payton that was said in a meeting that someone in that ownership group was just like, yeah, he came in, he did a decent job to end the season, but yeah, he's not our guy. And he's so much not our guy that, you know, we want to thank him, but we don't want him back in any capacity. Not saying that he's a bad guy, but they just want to move in a totally different direction completely. I think I think there's still a chance Jerry's back in a different role. Like I know from a few people I've talked to, it was just a contract situation where his you know, deal expired. And, um, but at the same time, you would think if they really liked him, they would have, you know, given him a new contract. But I think that they're waiting to see, because if they hired D'Amico Ryans, right, for example, I don't think D'Amico has any ties to Jerry Rosberg. Now, the ownership group might say, hey, you should bring this guy on as a consultant or a special teams coach or whatever, because he could help you in a lot of areas. Uh, and I think D'Amico would be smart to listen to that. So I, I think the door is still open to him to come back, but I do think it was this like fantasy dream, Nick, that people thought Jerry Rosberg could somehow get the head coaching job or like continue to be a, a very important part of this. Like it was never, that was never the intention. Uh, you know, people forget uh, the ownership group and everybody wanted Evero to be the interim. Like that was their first choice uh, to be the interim head coach. And so they kind of had to ask Jerry to do it because they didn't really have a whole not, whole lot of other options. So I, I think that, and he did a really good job, don't get me wrong, but I don't think he was ever seriously considered somebody that uh, was going to be one, the head coach and two, somebody that they felt like they really needed to keep in there. I, I think that the way this ownership group is looking at it is we need to clean house. We need to totally uh, change everything here. And I know Jerry wasn't a part of, honestly, almost any of the issues. But I think if you hire a new coaching staff, they have to make those decisions, right? You have to allow a D'Amico Ryans or a Dan Quinn or Sean Payton, whoever you hire to make those type of decisions on who they want on their staff. And if they want Jerry Rosberg, then great. They'll call Jerry up and say, hey, come on back. Uh, We'd love to have you here. But uh, I think until they hire somebody, you can't just, you know, keep all these guys. Now, these other assistants, you know, interviewing other places, I think tell me a couple things. One, I know everybody didn't like this last year's staff, right? They didn't like the way this season went. And a lot of these guys uh, were the scapegoats, right? You talk about a Justin Alton and Clint Kubiak, Nathaniel Hackett, obviously. Everybody said, well, these guys don't know what they're doing. Uh, they're still very well respected around the league, Nick. These are coaches that have coached in the NFL a long time, uh, and they're going to get opportunities elsewhere. Now, are they all going to get offensive coordinator positions? I don't think so. Like Justin Alton, I, I just looked it up. He's interviewed with – the Ravens, Rams, um, and one other team, Nick, that I don't think – oh, the Titans. Um, you know, I, I don't know if he'll actually land any of those three jobs. 
Um, but the guy's very well respected. He did a really good job the last two weeks. I think he'll land somewhere, maybe a position coach. I know he was the tight ends coach in Green Bay. I think that's what will probably end up happening. Hackett, I think, will get on a staff somewhere um, because I think there's still a lot of people that believe what he can do. Like you said, I think a lot of teams are kind of interested what's Aaron Rodgers going to do. Uh, and, I mean, maybe that's why the Broncos hired him last year, right, to try and lure Rodgers to Denver. But, uh, you know, it'll be it'll be interesting to see. And then Clint Kubiak, honestly, of the three, he might be the most proven um, as a play caller in terms of the success he had in Minnesota, like you said. So I think he could end up getting actually one of these OC jobs. I don't know if the Buccaneers is a good fit for him either, Nick. I don't know who the heck their quarterback's going to be next year. So good luck with that, Clint, uh, if you do end up going there. But again, I think it speaks to these guys, um, you know, obviously knowing football and being well-respected in the league. Uh, and that's why they're getting some of these interviews. And I think all of them will end up landing on their feet. Nick, I did want to ask you, though, Evero, I don't know if you if you spoke on Evero much, but uh, do you think he's going to end up landing either of these head coaching jobs? I know there's a bunch of rumors with Indianapolis about Ursay wants Jeff Saturday, which would be just an all-time wild hire in, in Indianapolis. Um, but I guess the front office doesn't want Jeff Saturday because uh, they're smart. And then <laughs> – and then in Houston, I think D'Amico Ryans is their top candidate. But as we discussed earlier, maybe D'Amico picks Denver. Does that open the door for a guy like Giro Evero? Yeah, it, it does. To be totally honest, uh, man, I would love to see Evero get a job, head coaching job in the NFL, just to see what's going to happen. Will that take place? You know, I, I doubt it. When I look at Indy and you look at what they did when their vacancy opened, they interview, and it's right out of the gate, maybe about four or five minority coaches. But I've always felt as though there was some kind of tie with Jer uh, Jim Ursay and Jeff Saturday. And with Jeff Saturday getting a second interview, it's just like, uh, okay, what are we doing here? Because remember, when, they, when Saturday first got there, they won that first game. It was emotional. Frank Wright has just been fired, and the guys were just fired up to just prove as though, you know, maybe Frank – shouldn't have been fired and it was maybe it was on us. You know, the, the running back was injured. The offensive line they spent so much money on wasn't playing well. But, yes, Saturday's coming in here. We're going to win that first game against the Las Vegas Raiders, and we're going to punch them out. After that, they lost seven in a row. So with Jeff Saturday receiving a second interview, man, I already think the fix is in. I know you say you want to take a victory lap because of the Mika Ryan's thing. I mean, look, take a victory lap for this because I think – you know, uh, when the rubber meets the road, Jim Ursay might hire Jeff Saturday as his next head coach, which is, for me, uh, it's a slap in the face to a lot of those guys who interviewed for the job. But do I think Jira Evero deserves a head coaching job? Yes. Here's something that's interesting, uh, being as though you brought up, you know, Jira Evero. I saw something on Twitter where it's like, well, why would the Broncos hire D'Amico Ryans and retain Jira Evero at the same time? Why would they do that both? have proven to show that they can lead men and lead a great defense. Here's my response to that. I was always told that you never want to be the smartest guy in the room. And to have success in whatever you do, you need smart people around you to bounce ideas off of. So I look at this as like an Avengers movie, right? If you want to beat Thanos, and Thanos right now is Patrick Mahomes, the more brains that you have in the room, the better you are. So if D'Amico does come here and he is hired, I would say, hey, man, have that conversation with Azura Evero. At least that takes 
uh, uh, you know, pressure off you as a head coach because you know you can give it to someone and the defense is going to run smoothly. But what do you think about that whole situation? If you hire D'Amico, you can't keep Evero. Well, let me ask you this, Nick. Since you're asking me a question, I'll throw it okay. right back at you. Do they run – because you're the defensive guy. Do they run schematically the same defense? No, they don't run the same defense. It's, it's a little different. But when you look at most defenses in the league, it's almost like a version of maybe not identical because everyone's running, you know, cover one, cover two, cover three, cover four, whether you have a, a man in the middle of the field, you're rotating a free or strong safety down in, in the box, and everyone's running a version of a fire zone, right? So it, it's I, before I said, well, it, it may not work as well because of the defense, but I've, I've come to try to change my mind ever so slightly as I started to look at it a little more in depth. You can tweak things here and there. Like like when you think about what Evero did when he took over for the Broncos, he was maybe working with the secondary with the Rams. He's never been a defensive coordinator before. But he took a little of what Vic Fangio was doing and put his own spin on it. So I'm sure if D'Amico came here, D'Amico would tell him, hey, this is what I've uh, kind of uh, built my defense around. We can do some of the same things. And based on the personnel, maybe you can do a, a mixture of both. And I can tell you this, when you can do a multitude of things defensively, George, it makes it really difficult for offense to really scheme for because they have no way to know what defense are you going to run, and you always have ways to adjust. So there is a possibility where those two worlds between D'Amico Ryans and Azure Evero can actually mesh. Yeah, I mean, I think it'd be great, right? I mean, obviously, I'd be all for it. You would have two of the best young defensive minds, both in Denver. And you already have, Nick, what I think coming back next year is going to be a top five defense, you know, no matter who the defensive coordinator is next year. I know there was talk about Vic Fangio coming back if Sean Payton was the head coach. Like, I mean, look, the, these guys, the, the players, right, that are coming back on this defense next year, I think the, the, the sky's the limit for this group, right? Uh, we saw it this last year. They were really good. So if you have those two guys in the same building, I can only imagine what they're going to scheme up on defense. I just don't know, Nick. I, I don't know where Evero's head's at, right? Like, let's say he doesn't land one of these head coaching jobs. You know, will he be disappointed to have to return to Denver where – you know, they did fire his his, you know, good friend in Nathaniel Hackett. Um, you know, I, I wonder what D'Amico knows and, and how familiar he is with Evero. I'm sure that they're, um, you know, you know, I don't know about good friends, but they know each other. I'm sure they have some sort of relationship. Um, but I don't know. It, would it be too much in one building to have that clashing? I know that you think, you know, Infinity Stones or uh, it's like Iron Man and Captain America. But don't forget Iron Man and Captain America had a civil war. Uh, and I'm not saying that's what would happen here, but I think it'd be an interesting conversation. And I think, um, you know, they would have to talk about that and, 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 you know, eventually maybe Ryan's lets, you know, Evero, you know, walk and go be a defensive coordinator elsewhere. Cause he would land a job instantly if he left the Broncos, but it's a good problem to have, right? Like you're, you're again, you're talking about arguably the two best young defensive coordinators in the league, um, both in your building. So, it would be interesting, Nick, but uh, we, we got to take a quick break. Uh, we'll, we'll dive a little bit more into some of this D'Amico Ryan's talk, uh, maybe other coaching search stuff. But also, Nick, I want to jump into some of these uh, these NFC and AFC championship games. So we're going to take a break and then we'll get into that stuff.
Let's ride with Touchdown Denver. Touchdown Denver. Hosted by Nick Ferguson and George Stoya. All right, everybody, we're back from that quick break. And, Nick, I know you wanted to continue that conversation. I do, too, about Evero and Ryans. Uh, what do you think about what I said about maybe those two guys? I don't know if they can be in the same building in terms of D'Amico's going to be the head coach, right? Uh, and, again, we don't know. I mean, this is just speculating if D'Amico becomes the head coach. But if he were to become the head coach, it might be tough to have him and Evero. It'd be great to have him in the same building, but it might be tough in terms of control and, and who's in charge of what and who's running the defense and all those sorts of things. You know, I don't I don't think so. Um, knowing D'Amico the way that I know him, he's not a controlling guy. And the idea is that once you become a head coach, and this is where some of the Broncos head coaches have failed, right? When we look at the whole idea that, hey, you know, the experience is an issue because the Broncos have hired three prior coaches who had no head coaching experience. But their problem was they were coming from coordinators' positions, but they one thing that they could not do, and it's all three of them. Now, the Vance Joseph situation is a little different because uh, he was undermining the organization by Mike McCoy, but still at the same time, when you come from being a defensive coordinator to being, or even an offensive coordinator to be a head coach, it's all about delegating. You hire your guys for a particular reason. You have to allow them to do their job. I mean, you can't be like a helicopter parent always hovering around trying to see what guys are doing. No, you hired them for a reason. You trust them. So let them do their job. So this notion that maybe the two men will not get along, I I, I can't subscribe to that because it's about, about doing what's in the best interest for the team. Now, because you were successful as a D coordinator and now you're head coach, yeah, I mean, you want to oversee. You want to make sure things are done the right way, but you don't want to constantly, you know, mingle. You don't want to constantly mingle because if you're doing that, guess what? What are we seeing with coaches who were not head coaches before? Game management, not managing the clock, not making proper decisions. That's because you're trying to do everything. You can't do everything. Allow your coaches to do their job. And I think, you know, these two guys can coexist in that particular way as long as there's trust from D'Amico to Evero that, hey, Here's a defense we agreed that we want to run. If it's not running well, I'm going to step in and I'm going to fine-tune it here and there, and then I'm going to give it back to you. Why can't that work? I just – I don't – I think it would be an awkward situation, and maybe I'm totally wrong. Again, I, I would need to know more about how well uh, D'Amico and Ijiro know each other, um, and maybe they're good friends. Like I said, I have no idea. Uh, I just think that when D'Amico comes in, he'll want to bring maybe his own guy or be uh, a defensive coordinator, kind of like what Vic was where he's calling the defense and he's the head coach. And obviously, Evero, that'd be taking a step back. You're you're shaking your head at me. Um, You don't think that would happen? No, man. That's that's a problem. Look, I played a decade in NFL. And when you're trying to do so many things, you spread yourself so thin. Like when I was in Houston, Gary Kubiak was our head coach. He played in this league and he was an offensive coordinator for several years with the Denver Broncos and starting out with Mike Shanahan in San Francisco. Kyle Shanahan was our OC, right? So yes, did Kub oversee certain things? He did, but he allowed Kyle to kind of, you know, cut his teeth in the league. If something wasn't going in, then you step in. 
That's what you do as like a supervisor. That's basically what you are if you're a head coach. You are a supervisor. You you give your your support staff things to do. It is their job to execute. You think you constantly want someone looking over your shoulder. You're trying to put the game plan together. They're trying to put the game plan together. There's mass confusion, and it's taking hours upon hours to put this thing together. No, I'm going to sit in the room. We're going to go over these things, and if George says that he wants to do this, and I'm not cool with this because it doesn't match what we want to do this week, then we're going to take that out. But every man has the ability to give their input, right? But you can't have all this mingling, man. It's not, not going to get done, man. It, it's, it's, it's not. Just Okay, let's just say, George, you were married, right? You and your wife, you have two kids, you're doing a great job. But your, but your parents, they want, they want to jump in because guess what? That's not how we raise you, George. It's like, whoa, whoa, hold on, hold on, mom, dad. You had your chance. You raised me. I don't need you all in my mix. It's the same type of thing. Well, I'm not. I, I'm not getting married anytime soon. So um, <laughs> that's nothing I have to worry about. Uh, but no, I, I think you, I think you have a good point, Nick. I, I I think you're right. I just don't. I just don't know. I I don't know what the answer is. I don't know what Evero wants. Um, you know, I I hope he lands a head coaching job because I think he deserves it. Like you said, I don't think he will. The way this thing's turning with the Colts is that the, the owner is going to come in and, you know, overpower everybody. The way it's working with the Texans, I think if it's not D'Amico, I think they might go in the direction of a Jonathan Gannon, the defensive coordinator for the Eagles, um, which would leave Evero kind of out of it. And then I, I think that there's a chance D'Amico lands, lands at Denver. So, um, which again, I think would be a great hire. And Nick, you played with D'Amico for three years, right? In Houston. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you've got to be rooting for him to get this job. I don't know how close you guys are, but I would assume you know the guy pretty well. Well, we, we not only played in Houston uh, together, but we also coached in San Francisco together. Yeah. Right? So, uh, I mean, it was great because when I got there, uh, Robert Sala was there. Uh, Johnny Holland was there. And, and I remember when I played for the Texans, you know, I used to go over to Johnny's room, which was right across the hall, and sit in the room with the linebackers because I wanted to kind of learn the run game. I want to learn the run game from in a way that the linebackers learn it. So when I'm down in the box, I can move and flow just like those guys can. And I would always go in the room. And it was funny because Robert Sala was a, a linebacker assistant coach. Johnny Holland was a linebacker's coach. And D'Amico Ryan was a linebacker, you know, who was in that room. So it was, it was interesting that interesting dynamic when I coached for the 49ers, but it's interesting more so now seeing the growth of D'Amico Ryan's growing from being a player in this league and a Pro Bowl player to being considered for one of the highest jobs in the NFL, and that's being a head coach and also for a storied organization like the Denver Broncos. So, yes, um, some people may say I am biased. So what? I don't care. I know the man. I know his heart. I know his drive, and I know what he can do if he comes here. So if, uh, if that's in God's plan and that happens for him, I will welcome that. And I would definitely applaud that, but I guess I would have to uh, take a second fiddle to George Stoyer, who's going to be popping confetti because this was his dark horse from the very beginning. It really was. Uh, I, I think he's, again, I don't know him as well as you do. I just think he, he, st- he checks a lot of boxes for me. I think he um, is a very well-rounded coach. I think he's a young guy who understands defense. I think he can connect with players, which 
What do you think, Nick? You've been around him. Do you think he would be a good guy to connect with a lot of these these players in this locker room? Obviously, DJ Jones and Kwan Williams played for him last year in San Francisco. Uh, but uh, do you think he would be able to connect with a lot of these guys? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and that's kind of the the thing when you when you think about the NFL now, right? Everyone talks about experience, but if you look at the NFL and did a deep dive over some of the head coaches who are in the NFL, there are a lot of coaches who are coaching now. Some are in the playoffs who never had head coaching experience before they got their first head coaching job, and they're proving to be winners. You know, not all of those guys have won Super Bowls, but a lot of those players, a lot of those coaches have had their teams in the playoffs. Look at Nick Sirianni, right? He was, what, the quarterback coach for the Colts before joining uh, the Philadelphia Eagles. I mean, they're one game away from the Super Bowl. Think about Sean McVay was on the coaching staff with Mike Shanahan, right? I mean, he went to a Super He went to two, and he won one. So when we have this debate about experience, no, maybe before that was the case, but it's not because if you look at a lot of the coaches now in the NFL, they're under the age of 40. And a lot of them are guys who have gone to the playoffs or have won Super Bowls or competed in the Super Bowl. Zach Taylor. Zach Taylor was a quarterback's coach for the Rams. Come on, man. There's something here. So when we have that conversation about experience, I think, you know, now it's time to kind of throw that one in the trash can and kick it down the street. Nick, we have breaking news as you were speaking. Uh, And we literally just touched on this in the last segment. But Nathaniel Hackett has been hired as the Jets offensive coordinator. Go figure. Go figure. Right? So so now you got Hackett, and now the idea is that you get maybe Aaron Rodgers. Does that sound vaguely familiar? Maybe that was the game plan when Hackett was hired here last year. Right? You get him. You get Aaron Rodgers. So the Jets are looking to do the same thing. How about that? Wild. Um, I don't know how it'll turn out for the Jets. Uh, I think they got to figure out their quarterback situation, but good for Nathaniel Hackett. Um, you know, I know there's a lot of people here that don't um, maybe have the best taste in their mouth after what happened this last year with Nathaniel Hackett, but I do think the guy knows football. I think he's a good guy too. I, I know we've talked about that too, Nick. I think he's just a good person. So I'm happy that he was able to land on his feet, find a job. Again, I think some of those other assistants are also going to find some other gigs. So it's going to be interesting to follow. But uh, Nathaniel Hackett, new home in, in New York City, Nick. Um, wow. Mm. Uh, we, we literally just broke that all down uh, just a few minutes ago. Um, but, uh, Nick, before we get out of here, uh, quick thoughts on, on NFC and AFC championship games. Obviously, you have uh, the Eagles and 49ers, D'Amico Ryans in that game, obviously, in the NFC championship game. Uh, and then you've got the Bengals and the Chiefs. Um, I don't know how healthy Patrick Mahomes is. Obviously, that'll play a big part in that game. But what do you think of, of those two games? Well, I've had a high ankle sprain before. And, man, like Drake said, man, it's like a sprained ankle. It's nothing to play with. And that 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 high ankle sprain, man, it goes all the way up to your knee. It's high in your calf. It's very difficult to push off on. And we've seen a healthy Patrick Mahomes struggle against the Bengals defense. So it's going to be interesting to see how Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy plays this out. For me, their philosophy is going to be trying to get Pacheco and Jet McKinnon involved in, in the game plan. And that's not just handing the ball off to him, George. That's throwing the ball to him in the flat. So that is something that, that the Bengals are going to have to uh, contend with. But I'm choosing the Bengals in this game. 
That's right, four in a row over Kansas City on their way back to the Super Bowl. That Philly-San Francisco game, man, that one is really difficult to call. But based on how Brock Purdy has been playing, how D'Amico Ryan's defense has done a great job shutting teams down, I'm going to go with them. Now, it's not going to be one of those games where the 49ers are going to put up 40. It's going to be similar to what we saw with the Dallas Cowboys game, like a 9-12 game. It could be a 17-14 game. But I think, you know, Kyle gets back uh, to the Super Bowl and D'Amico Ryan's uh, is there alongside him as well. Yeah, I mean, I th- I'm also with the Bengals, Nick, and the AFC. Um, I The Chiefs have been my Super Bowl pick all year. I just don't think Mahomes is going to be healthy enough. And when you talk about the way this Bengals defense has been playing these last few games, uh, they've been playing at an extremely high level. They've been getting after the quarterback up front. And if Mahomes can't do Mahomes things where he's scrambling and, you know, making absurd throws down the field, I just find it very hard for the Chiefs to win that game. And and I also like Joe Cool, man. Like Joe Burrow, man, he just all he does is win big games. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I think that the Bengals are also kind of on a mission to, you know, kind of avenge their loss last year in the Super Bowl and kind of prove all those people last year and myself included that thought, oh, it's just a magical one time run from the Bengals. This team's legit, man. Like, I know they've got issues on the offensive line, and and that might be an issue this week when you talk about a Chiefs defense that likes to get after the quarterback. But uh, I just am a Bengals believer right now, and I think that it helps, obviously, again, that Mahomes isn't healthy. So I like the Bengals in that game. Um, this this Eagles 49ers game, Nick, I, I, I keep going back and forth. I really like the Eagles. They're playing at home. Uh, Jalen Hurts has been phenomenal this year. But that 49ers defense, man, like I know there's been a lot of, um, you know, uh, criticism towards the Cowboys and Dak Prescott and and rightfully so the way they played this last week. But there hasn't been enough credit given to that defense and the way they're playing and the things that they're doing uh, to confuse quarterbacks and and get after quarterbacks and uh, stop the run game like that. That's what that's the big matchup to me. Like if Jalen Hurts can figure out and, and that Eagles that Eagles offense can figure out how to, to get past them, uh, then I think the Eagles have a good chance. But I, I, I really like the 49ers in the sense that their defense is just playing at a high level. So that game, man, that game's a toss-up. I don't know who to pick in that one. I think I'm just going to take the Eagles just because you picked the 49ers. Um, and it also, it also if, the, if the 49ers lose, then the Broncos can hire D'Amico Ryans come Monday or Tuesday uh, instead of having to wait till after the Super Bowl, which I don't know if you knew this, Nick, but – uh, when Mike Shanahan, Mike Shanahan was hired by the Broncos, he was hired from the 49ers the day after winning the Super Bowl in 1995. If they hired D'Amico Ryans, they'll be hiring him the day after the Super Bowl in 2023 uh, from the San Francisco 49ers. So last time the Broncos did that, worked out pretty well, right? Mike Shanahan, most successful coach uh, in Broncos history. So who knows? Maybe that's a good parallel. But I'm taking the Eagles just to spite you uh, and the fact that we're both on the Bengals. Um, you know, I, I'm not going to switch my pick there, but I have to go against you in some way. Of course. What's what's new, George? And also you laid that down so you can say, see, I chose Philly because I chose D'Amico in order for D'Amico to become the head coach of the Broncos. The 49ers had to be eliminated, so I'm right all the way around, right? See, I, I I know you. I've been around you long enough, so I know exactly what you were doing. But here's what I'll say as far as D'Amico Ryans and what they were going to need to do against Philly is that the, the, the biggest thing they're going to have to stop is Jalen Hurts, 
right? He is that guy. I don't know if you put uh, Greenlaw or you put Fred Warner on him to slow him down, but that's kind of the X factor in the game. And this is, this is me. This is me. This is what I would do, right? You know, once a quarterback runs that read option, he's no longer protected by the pocket. So once he becomes a runner, guess what? We're going to hit that guy and we're going to hit him a lot. Well, we know the scouting report has told us there is a shoulder injury, right? There's no bounty gate, you know, there's no bounty on him. When he's outside the pocket, take that shot. And just so happens if you get 15 yards, you know what? We'll eat that flag. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the matchup to watch there. And 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 I I think the there's a lot of interesting matchups this weekend when you talk about um you know, like the offensive and defensive lines that you talk about, you know, um, Nick Bosa versus Elaine Johnson um, in Philadelphia and San Francisco. You've got um, Orlando Brown versus, you know, Hubbard and and that defensive line over there uh, for the Bengals. So I think that's where these games are going to be won is is who can protect their quarterback, because it Mm -hmm. seems like a lot of these offensive lines have kind of broken down in some of these games. And uh, these, these pass rushes, man, like, they, they keep getting home. I mean, I, the 49ers, man, they got after Dak Prescott. They confused him. So I, I think that those are kind of the big the big matchups to watch. But, uh, Nick, we got to get out of here. Um, maybe the Broncos will have a head coach by the end of the weekend. We'll see. Uh, but until then, until next Tuesday when we're back talking Broncos, um, thanks again for everybody for listening. And uh, make sure you guys like, subscribe to the podcast, and we'll be back next Tuesday to break down whoever may be the next head coach or whatever the next step is. Uh, maybe a second interview for D'Amico Ryans is, is on the horizon. We'll see. Uh, but until then, thanks, for everybody, for listening.